And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. A great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Ian Hayworth. Always a great time talking to Ian. Uh, we covered a lot. We discussed the Speaker of the House fight um, and what that means moving forward for the country and the Republican Party and all that stuff. We, we get to a lot. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, guys, before I get to Ian, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Hayworth. Ian, how you been, man? Good morning, Brady. I'm mourning the loss of yet another season, um, not even making it to the playoffs this time. So I'm soon going to learn what it feels like to be a New York Jets fan, which is not a good feeling. No, no. Nope, the uh, fantasy season's over. Neither one of us did particularly well. Uh, then our, our favorite teams, the Steelers and the Packers, are out of the playoffs, too. So it's uh, just an, an awesome <laughs> NFL season all around. At least I got knocked out of the playoffs by Brad Devlin, who ended up winning the league. So that makes me feel a little bit better. His team was an absolute beast, so I can't really complain too much. I didn't even make the playoffs. I lost out by points difference, which I think is possibly the worst way to lose. I would rather like lose horrifically than lose by a couple of points. Yeah. It's uh, just a bad year all around. 2023 is looking great so far. Hey, the draft is right around the corner, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start planning now. First week of September. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, oh, dude. So, uh, happy January sixth, by the way. How? how thank you, you, thank you. How, how did you celebrate our new uh, national holiday? <laughs> Much in the same way as every year since it's happened, of just not caring because it's really culturally irrelevant at this point. Um, I did enjoy all of the rampant misinformation that explodes on Twitter every single time January sixth rolls around. Now, just all these deaths that occurred that day, um, and then also people mourning Ashley Babbitt when. If she was on the left, people wouldn't even blink. There's just so much hypocrisy in every single direction. Um, it's quite clear that the left really are, are pretty terrified about 2024 and they just have to bring up January 6th because they think people care. I'm pretty convinced that most people couldn't care less at this point. Oh, yeah. No, I can't think of anything less important uh, in the history of this country than January 6th, to be honest. <laughs> Worst um, day than 9-11. Yeah. It's funny. It's so funny how the American media handles foreign affairs too, because they just don't know anything about the rest mm -hmm. of the world. Um, I mean, you saw you saw it uh, when Boris Johnson was elected in the UK. They're like, "Oh, he's the UK's Donald Trump. He's exactly like Donald Trump." It's like they didn't know anything about Boris Johnson. They were like, "Oh, they both have blonde hair, so they must be the same." <laughs> and then you saw this with uh, in Brazil. Um, like the right wingers over the weekend actually did like storm their capital, like trying to overthrow the government and stuff. They actually rioted and they were like, see, this is in, for some reason, a riot in Brazil is Donald Trump's fault. It's just like, Jan it's just like January 6th. You know, they learned it from Trump. It's like, God, what? Oh yes. What? Cause 
What? South America never had any violent political unrest no. until Trump came along. <laughs> yeah, there's never been any political, uh, you know, unrest in the the country of Brazil. There's never been any corruption inside the Brazilian government before Donald Trump was elected president in the United States. It's like, my goodness. Yeah, man, these people, they have absolutely no idea what's going on. I mean, not even outside the country. Half, half these people don't know what's going on outside of their own front doors, but um, that's a conversation for another day. I, big news out of the over the weekend, obviously, we have to mention is we finally have a Speaker of the House, um, Kevin McCarthy. What, he won on what the fifteenth, sixteenth ballot, fourteenth? I don't know. They 15th, they were voting. Times a, times a charm. Yeah, they uh, they were voting for like three days. Like it was, it was really bizarre stuff. But um, uh, Kevin McCarthy ends up making a whole bunch of concessions to Chip Roy and the Freedom Caucus guys. Um, it's like less power for the Speaker, um, border control stuff. Uh, mandated that everybody gets 72 hours to read bills. Um, you know, all common sense stuff. You know, maybe they'll make a difference, maybe not. Probably won't matter. <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll get to everything. But aside from the, the grandstanding and all the nonsense, it, it was good to see Republican leadership making some concessions to, you know, conservatives in their caucus. That certainly doesn't usually happen. Yeah, I think arguing is good. I think what what I always think about is if you look at the British Parliament and the way they're screaming at each other on a daily basis and the leaders of both parties have to stand and justify everything they think. And then the American government, people get to really hide behind either complexity or anonymity. Like you have these gargantuan bills that no one's read that have God knows what in them that they pass overnight without question. I think if we had situations where people are arguing in favor of concrete things every time, the government would be a better place. One, because less would happen, and so less bad things would happen. But I think you'd also get people um, really kind of showing who they are. Uh, I, I do wish more attention was given to the policy side of things rather than Matt Gates tweeting various memes, but that's the, the the reality of politics, unfortunately. Oh, for sure. And and they all got lumped together, all the people that were holding out on Kevin McCarthy. Um, unfortunately, they all got lumped in together. But you know, guys like Chip Roy knew what he was doing. Like He was just trying to get concessions out of McCarthy. He was trying to get more of his Freedom Caucus people on these committees and, and, and all of that. And that's that's all fine and good, you know. But then there's like the Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and, and all these people who were just dancing monkeys for the C-SPAN cameras. Um, you know, which is like, I mean, I, I don't really respect any, like the, the influencer class, you know, like mm-hmm. dancing TikTok or Instagram monkeys. But like, if you're going to be that kind of dancing monkey, but for like C-SPAN, I feel like that's even less respectable somehow, um, which is saying a lot. I mean, you know how I feel about TikTok, but I feel like <laughs> I, res- I respect politicians doing this even less if that's possible. But it, doesn't that just encapsulate right-wing policy and politics in 2023? I mean, it's like there are still principled right-wingers out there, and I think Chip Roy you know, represented himself very well this last week. There are principled people standing up for something. And then there's just, like, the grifters. There's people that just want to get famous. They just want to go viral on Twitter. They just want to make money off, like, the MAGA crowd and all of that. So it's like, I think it was just a nice snow globe version of, like, 2023 politics generally. Yeah, so like we're looking down the barrel of our own reality, aren't we, right now? We are. <laughs> um, the unfortunate thing is that Twitter is just a reality of of politics now and other social media too, but I think Twitter's the biggest one and memes on Instagram, things like that. And as you said, a lot of these people aren't really concerned with policies. They're concerned with their own fame. Like 
the Madison Cawthorn style politician. Um, I think at least, uh, you know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and those folks, I, I despise Marjorie Taylor Greene, but at least she has some policies she stands up for occasionally. But it's always under the guise of what can I do to elevate myself? Just real quick, um, let, me, let, let me interject real quick. Hold that thought. Uh, Madison Cawthorn is, is a hilarious, and honestly, I don't really know much about the guy. I don't learn much about all these random one of 435 congressmen. But I remember, <laughs> I read after he was forced to resign or not run for re-election or whatever the heck happened to him. He, I, I forget how much money each congressman gets each year to spend on a staff, but it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they usually hire, you know, a chief of staff, comms director, a bunch of policy people, you know, all, all these. And his entire staff was just all comms. <laughs> it was like just comms. Yep. It was all, he had like five comms people. And it's like, yeah, man, that's not how this works. It's not all about the memes. It's not all about, com- like comms is the easiest part of a congressional staff's job. The hard part is actually coming up with policy that works, that can get passed through the House and through the Senate. And he didn't have anybody like that. It was just like, how do we message on social media? And that was his entire staff. But anyway, go on. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of many who do this and that really politics is a means to an end and that I will become famous through this. That's why you see so many people talking about running, running when they have no, really no business running or no uh, platform to run on. Because politics is our culture, and in many ways, politi- uh, politicians are just celebrities now. Like AOC is arguably one of the biggest celebrities in the country, and so there's a lot of people on the right who want to emulate that. And it's um, it always impacts the policy, because then you get people who, who confuse fame with ability and fame with knowledge and understanding. And so you see someone, oh, they have millions of Twitter followers. I'm going to agree with them, and they just turn out to be a moron. And so it's... Um, I'm perpetually worried about the conservative movement in the United States. And I think this is just one of many problems that we're not dealing with all that well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and so after he finally wins the gavel, McCarthy gave a fine speech. Um, you know, he said the first bill they're going to pass is repealing the Biden regime's new 87,000 IRS agents. It's like, OK, do it. You know, the, the Senate already voted, including Republicans in the Senate, already voted to fund them. So. It's not going to happen, but I mean, pass it, you know, investigate the one and some things they can do. They can investigate Fauci. They can impeach Joe Biden for any number of things. You know, don't pass any deficit spending. You know, don't vote to raise the debt ceiling. Like, do it. Like, if you I don't know why this guy wanted this job so badly. Like, Speaker of the House is a trash gig, man. Like, it, it never ends. Like, is there like I mean, Republicans worship politicians. So, like, you know, they don't count. But like on the right. Is there a revered Republican former Speaker of the House? No, they but always get trashed. They get trashed. All of them. Republicans hate all of them. Gingrich, forced to resign. Hastert's in prison for, like, raping a little boy, so he doesn't really count. Boehner, you know, everybody hates Boehner. Paul Ryan, nobody likes him. <laughs> it's like, dude, so you wanted this job. You wanted this trash job. Now you get a million right-wing savages like us beating you to death, cyber-bullying you <laughs> every time you get it wrong. So congratulations, Kev. Like, now you got to deal with me if you don't actually defund these 87,000 IRS agents. You know what I mean? If you don't investigate Fauci thoroughly, now you got to deal with me. So it's like, I don't know why he fought so hard for this, maybe the most annoying, ridiculous position inside the federal government. But hey, now he's got to deal with us. I also don't think... <laughs> 
I think the problem goes beyond individuals as well. Something I've been trying to warn against is that the GOP has no real platform right now. There is not a coherent uh, definition of what conservatives in the government really believe, like passing $1.7 trillion in spending with no real idea of what it's going to do, giving money to Ukraine left and right. I think we just approved another $3 billion for God knows what. I don't really know what conservatives in Congress believe and I think that's a problem that needs to be solved. And it's whether McCarthy is there or anyone else, there is no conservative identity. And I think that's a huge elephant in the room that everyone is just ignoring while we obsess over who tweeted what, who tried to push who. It's just we uh, Republican. Well, Republican doesn't really mean anything now, but I don't even know what conservative means when we're approving all this spending left and right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's like the, the more populist faction that wants what they want. There's the conservatives that want what they want. There's the traditional, more establishment DC Republicans that basically want what Democrats want. And then like, but the leaders of all of these movements don't know what they want. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's like the establishment types, like the McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, like these guys don't believe in anything. I mean, they're just power brokers. They just make deals. They're, they're just, you know, they're chameleons. I mean, they'll support anything that you know, they can get done or whatever. It's like, I don't know. They, they're just these weak, limp-wristed people that just want power and they're comfortable and they don't really have principles. And then, like, the... I, I guess you would say that Donald Trump is still the leader of, like, the more populist faction of the Republican Party. And, I mean, he doesn't believe in anything. You know, he, like, got some good things done as president, but he's not, like, a principled... Like, he wants to beat the left. He wants to beat Democrats. He wants to get what he wants. But it's not based on... Like you know, like even you know, appointing all these great justices and stuff, it wasn't based on this like deep-seated pro-life position that he's held his whole life. He just you know, he just kind of like moves where the wind is blowing. So it's like when when the leaders of these different factions don't necessarily believe in much personally themselves, it's just tough. You know what I mean? Like it's tough to like have a streamlined movement of any kind when the guys at the top aren't really standing on principle. Well, because everything is everything in politics now is about moving with the wind. I think people have a fundamental misunderstanding of what politicians do. No one has a set of principles. I mean, I think feel like Bernie Sanders is one of the few I can think of who's had the same views his entire life. And then the country decided to move in the direction he was already in. Most politicians lick their fingers, stick, uh, stick it up in the air and then decide their views are based on what everyone wants to hear. Yeah, that's the biggest problem because it creates a cycle of just really getting nothing done, but also constantly feeding people's desires without having really any expectations. Because all you're doing is telling people what they want to hear, then they vote for you, and then you tell them what they want to hear next, so they keep voting for you. Nothing ever gets done. That's why a lot of conservatives don't actually want to make make any kind of inroads, because then people might hold them accountable. Yeah. If you could constantly be fighting from behind, oh, if only Joe Biden wasn't there, if only we had a majority in the Senate and the House, we could get what we wanted to get done, done. And then we give them a very slim majority in the house and we somehow lose the Senate because Trump's an imbecile and then nothing will change because they'll keep voting for the same crap. But every election cycle will be, Oh, if you just vote for us, we can finally end abortion. And it's up to us to stop really swallowing the shit they're shoveling. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the only, I'm not expecting Congress to do much, but the, uh, this was announced just this morning this is the only thing I care about. If 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 this Congress, led by Republicans with their slim majority, does anything, this is the most important thing they can do. And apparently, the Judiciary Committee, which will be chaired by Jim Jordan, 
um, this morning said that there will be opening an, investiga- an investigation into the weaponization of the federal government against Republicans, um, specifically targeting the FBI. And that's that's the imp- that's the most important thing this Congress can do is go after mm-hmm. the feds. I mean, if they can't do that, Republicans have no business winning any election ever again. I mean, this is the biggest issue facing the country. I mean, the 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 FBI, they're essentially just the Democratic Party's attack dog. I mean, they exist to kill or enslave Republicans. That's what they do, and they're good at it. Um, you know, and you see all the entrapment. You know, these guys, these mentally handicapped homeless people up in Michigan that'll sit in prison the rest of their lives because 14 FBI agents convinced them that they should joke about trying to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the FBI exists just to ruin Republicans' lives, just to, you know, just to feed on these people. So, I mean, yeah, they said they're opening up this investigation. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think this is, out of anything coming out of the 118th Congress, I think this is the thing we should have our eyes on the most closely. Make sure that McCarthy, Jordan, all these guys, hold them accountable. Make sure they actually put this into motion because these people need to be investigated. People need to go to prison. Um, I mean, these these organizations need to be stripped bare. I mean, they really do. They're, they're toxic cancers on American society, and they need to be destroyed, quite frankly. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they say they're doing this. Jim Jordan, you know, he seems like a serious feller. You know, he, he likes going after these people. So, I don't know, we'll see, you know. I But you can't, can't wimp out on this one. I mean, this is the big one. I mean, this is the Super Bowl. You know, if you can't get this done, if you can't strip the FBI of their power, then, uh, I mean, this is the battle of our time, in my mind, um, the weaponization of the government against the right. So, uh, you know, if they can't get this done, then nothing else matters. Yeah, I agree completely. And if they can't get this done, the damage will be immeasurably worse because it'll basically be a green light on them really kicking into gear. I feel like they've been dipping their toe in the pool for quite a few years. And I think if they get away with it and they get Democrats in power again, we'll never we'll never see really light of day again in many ways. Um, It'll be game over, quite frankly. And so, yeah, it's um, do or die at this point. Hopefully not literally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And through this whole, uh, another thing that really jumped out at me, especially looking back on this whole speaker fight, um, because I don't, I didn't really care. Like, I don't care who the speaker of the house is. Like, I did not care if it was McCarthy or one of the other people they, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't even know half the people they were nominating for for speaker. Like, I, it doesn't really matter to me that much. But what really stood out in this silly speaker fight, which this is what it is. It was it was a bunch of nonsense. It was a bunch of grandstanding. It probably didn't matter who ended up speaker. Republicans have a five-seat majority, probably four, after our favorite Catholic, Jewish, gay, Muslim who died in 9-11, George <laughs> Santos, is forced to resign, which is probably coming down the pike like a freight train right now. Um you know, with the four-seat majority, Biden's going to get whatever he wants. Enough Republicans are going to defect, you know, to vote for massive spending and, and all manner of evil stuff that, that the Biden regime wants, more Ukraine funding and all of this. It's not like the House is going to be very effective. But what the speaker fight really showed was how the Republican Party is in flux right now. Like, Trump is still popular, but he's losing power. And you really saw it over this last week. He was against the Freedom Caucus guys. Like he wanted them to vote for McCarthy with no concessions made at all for some reason. I'm not I'm not quite sure why. He never really articulated that. But he told Lauren uh, Boebert and Matt Gates and all these guys to knock it off and they didn't listen. They they told him to shut up and vote for McCarthy. They were like, "No, Trump should denounce McCarthy." You know, they were, we're not going to do it. 
So it's like Trump couldn't get the most Trumpy people, his closest allies, to do what he wants. And, I mean, that always happens. Like, leaders in politics lose their power, but it's pretty remarkable that that's happening only two years after leaving office. Yeah, I think the midterms really was the uh, were the final nail in his coffin. Uh, there's you lose people who, I mean, you had Marjorie Taylor Greene holding up the you know the DT on the phone, like calling in Donald Trump. I think that's a bit of a virtue signal, like a bit of a wink to just the still Trump crowd. But I think overall, he's been losing his grip steadily. And I think the midterms just people woke up and realized that really the days of Trump is gone. I think you can hold on to some of the elements of. Trumpism that is still popular, but Trump as an individual, I think he's fading faster than any of us could have predicted, as you said. And once you start to fade, there's no coming back. There's no way of repairing this, especially as he doesn't even have a voice on Twitter um, because he's locked into Truth Social, which is going to be going down the toilet now because Twitter's basically back. And all he's doing is spouting off racist garbage against Mitch McConnell's wife for some reason. Right. So he could be a force for good. He could be focusing on policies and pointing to the good things he did in office and saying what he would do differently. But instead, he's just making Chinese jokes about Mitch McConnell's wife, who is Taiwanese and an American citizen. Like That's what he's spending and his day on. And worked with the so, Trump yeah. administration for four years. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. It's just, yeah, uh, and good riddance, quite frankly. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny because political leaders need, and this is why Kevin McCarthy isn't going to be a, a strong speaker is like these people need fear you know they need fear to keep their caucus in line and stuff like that and the fact that you know Boebert and Gates and these guys don't fear Trump enough to not publicly defy him I mean it's like they, they must realize that Trump can't do anything to them which what can he do you know what I mean they're both in safe yeah. districts and all that but um yeah it, it is funny seeing this this soon like I, I figured this would happen at some point before 2024 but definitely not this soon um yeah, just the contrast over the weekend too. I believe this was on. This was all on Friday. The House was still voting over and over. Maybe they were on round six, seven, eight, nine, something like that. And you know, Republicans are screaming and yelling at each other on C-SPAN. Trump was posting racist stuff about Mitch McConnell's wife on Truth Social. And as that was happening, Ron DeSantis was giving his second inauguration uh, speech, inaugural speech after winning the re-election as Florida governor. Um, and it was a great speech. I mean, he was listing his accomplishments keeping Florida free throughout COVID, going after Disney, uh, protecting children from the groomers in government schools. He's talking about all this stuff. And then he moves on to the national issues, border control, all of this stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, if you're a Republican <laughs> watching this, okay, you see the clown show in Congress. You see Trump on Truth Social. Why, I mean, what do you do? Like, why? Why go after mm -hmm. Mitch McConnell's wife? Why, why even, like, what's the point? Like, that wasn't even relevant. There was nothing like Mitch McConnell wasn't even doing anything. Like I wasn't like, in, dude, I can't stand Mitch McConnell. Like, trust me, I have more problems with Mitch McConnell. I'm a libertarian. I have more problems with Mitch McConnell than Donald Trump has. Believe me. But it's like, you know, he's tweeting or tweeting truth, socialing all this irrelevant nonsense. And then you look at DeSantis and he's just just laying out how Republicans can win moving forward laying out the blueprint on how to beat Democrats and how to govern as a conservative. And it's like, man, if you're a Republican and you can't see that DeSantis is the way forward, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, look at Florida versus the rest of the country in this past election. I mean, Republicans mm -hmm. did great. I mean, DeSantis won Palm, Palm Beach County. He won Miami-Dade County. Look at Florida versus the rest of the country during COVID. I mean, like the, the 
the path forward is clear. The record is clear. Like I just and I, I know a lot of people are, are coming around. But man, if you're still in the Trump camp, like, dude, you don't have to denounce Trump. You don't have to hate the guy. You can still appreciate everything he did when he was in office. But my goodness, times change. Trump didn't. And we have a guy now. Like, it's, see, if we didn't have another alternative, if it was Trump first, Jeb Bush again, or John Kasich, or Ted Cruz, or anybody, I would get it. But it's like, guys, we ha- there, there's a better path forward. <laughs> there truly is, and it's right in front of your face. Well, there's a winning path forward is really the key word that people are just ignoring, is that Trump lost. Like People still don't want to accept that, but Trump lost. Even if you think he lost illegitimately, he lost. And he has yet to explain how he will win again beyond complaining about 2020. Like, if you have to rely on claiming that you were cheated, that's your sole winning strategy, is to tell people not to vote, and then when people don't go and vote, claim it was all fraud. You don't deserve to win. And he has spent the last couple of years complaining about 2020 and doing nothing about 2024. That's not a winning strategy. No. And if people want to win, you have to pick the guy who has the best chance of winning. That's all it is. If you want Joe, if you don't want Joe Biden rather to be president in 2024, then pick the person who is most likely to win. Yeah. That is not Donald Trump anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny because Trump's campaign, he doesn't have any of the people that actually helped him win in 2016. Um you know his his kids aren't as involved in the campaign as they as they were. It's it's like I I just don't. I, he's not surrounding himself with the right kinds of people. It's like even if you're you just really like you know you're you're on like the nationalist populist side, you know, and and those people make good points on some things. I agree with some. I disagree with some. But it's like I I just don't even know if you know. And you see Trump endorsing McCarthy. You know he doesn't want you know just vote for him whatever. It, it's simply because. I don't know, McCarthy sucked up to him. Like, he'll just endorse anybody who's nice nice to him. But it's like, man, even if you're in that, like, you just really want, you don't, you know, you're not a conservative, you're a populist. Like, you're fine with big government, you just want right-wingers to run big government and punish your political opponents or stuff like, something like that. Like, there's going to be a time where, like, if that's what you believe, like, you're better off lining up behind somebody like J.D. Vance, who's a senator now, who is a populist, who articulates these positions as well, if not better, than Trump ever did. And it's like, he doesn't have the baggage and doesn't have, you know, three straight L's on his record electorally. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, even that movement, because I think the MAGA, that, that whole movement is going to be around for a while. And that's not necessarily a bad thing either. You know, like, I think a lot of good things came out of that. But it's like, I don't know, like, Trump is kind of almost leading that, his own movement leaderless with his inconsistency. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like he yeah. opposed his own people in the speaker fight. He, it's like I don't know. It's it's. It, it, I mean, wouldn't they be better off even lining up behind like some of these people I don't like, like Lauren Boebert or somebody like that, somebody who isn't that bright, but she's still in office. She's gonna keep winning re-election in her district and stuff like that. It's like I don't know. It's it's getting to the point where I don't even know if Trump can lead his own movement. I think Trump is also just confused as to what he wants. I think Trump wants attention. I think Trump wants to sit on the toilet and tweet. I think that's that's really his area of expertise at this point. Like Trump is old. Joe Biden's old and Trump is old as well. I don't know if he truly has the energy for this, because from what I've seen from him, he he rather just spout off random shit and then go away than really push for what is needed right now. It's it's confusing. I, I, I this I think he's an irrational person and we're constantly trying to rationalize the irrational, which is a waste of time and certainly not a good choice for sanity. But the time of Trump is clearly done. 
And the sooner as a movement we accept that and make changes appropriately, the better. Um, I still am deeply fearful that Trump is going to be the turd in the toilet bowl when it comes to 2024. Yeah, he's joked about how he, he could run third party, you know, if he oh loses the primaries. God. I mean, it's like you're just handing power to Joe Biden at that point, you know. It's yep. like I, I don't get it. And that, I mean, that is like a theme. Um in some of the Trump camp, not not most Trump voters or Trump supporters even, but like, you know, you see Matt Gates this last week. He's like, oh, I'd, I'd rather have Hakeem Jeffries as speaker over Kevin McCarthy. It's like, really? I mean, that makes sense if you're a complete <laughs> idiot. I mean, that would mean no, you know, no committees for any of the Freedom Caucus people, no investigation of Anthony Fauci, no accountability for anything, endless money to Ukraine. I mean, it's just like, re- really? Like, I get not liking Kevin McCarthy. I don't like Kevin McCarthy, but, but like, why, why? Like, why would you? And so, you know, maybe there will be some similar, you know, minded folks in the Trump camp that are like, oh, well, you know, we'd rather just lose and just have Trump run third party and, and siphon off 20 percent of the vote than let DeSantis be president. You know, it's like, is that really where we're going in the Republican Party? Like, really? Like, if we had a guy who's like just more populist than Trump, more conservative than Trump just better than Trump on everything. It's like, I, I really hope in two years, when it really matters, a little under two years now, that there aren't enough people that will just blindly follow Trump off a cliff. I just, I don't know what to think at this point. It's, there's a huge difference between supporting Trump when he's the only nominee or supporting Trump when he's the Republican president up against the left. Right. But when we have other options, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I know. And good options. Yeah, I mean it's it is remarkable. And then, the, you know, the, and then the flip side of that coin is all the the Republicans that have no business. Like everybody knows what time it is, right? Like everybody knows it's gonna be Trump or DeSantis as the Republican nominee. And then you have Mike Pence, who's essentially all but running for president already. Nikki Haley being ridiculous. <laughs> you have all these like Larry Hogan says he's uh, running for president. John Bolton says he's running for president. It's like. It, we could obviously run into the situation where we just have 17 Republicans run again. They all split the vote and then Trump wins with 25 percent of the the vote in the primaries or something like that. We could have an absolute disaster like that. But it's like, man, like I, I don't get how and maybe I'm just wrong. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. But like, I, I feel like I'm seeing the, the Republican political landscape quite clearly right now. And we're, we're looking at DeSantis. We're looking at everything he's accomplished. It's like, all right, the guys earned it. Like he's done, he's shown us what we, he needs to show us. He's he's the next guy in line, and he deserves it. Like he deserves to be the nominee. It's like I, I, I it's almost it's baffling that people aren't like this isn't a uniform position at this point. Not that I want, you know, Republicans to be this uniform NPC party or anything like that. But it's like it's so clear the choice before us is so clear that it's like I know it's still early, but it is it's almost surprising that people haven't just circle the wagons around DeSantis yet at this point. Yeah, it's certainly one of the biggest downsides of the primary system that I criticize every single time an election comes around in that you have really a massive amount of power on the direction of the party going to really the extremes of every position. And it's a, it's a complete mess, but it's also just not, it's not forward thinking at all because picking someone in the primary system is not going to be the person who's necessarily best for the movement or could win. Oh, I just... And made worse by the fact that often running for president is just a PR stunt. Like people run, they they know like Mike Pence is not going to win. 
Yeah. Mike Pence will never be president of the United States. I think he's like, I think he's a moral person. I think he's a good man. I think he was a pretty good vice president. He is never going to be president of the United States. He has to know that. He knows that. But there are there are multiple reasons to run. But you shouldn't be running if you don't think you can win. I think a lot of this is is honestly money related. Um, certainly more with some politicians than others because the kind of book deals that they can get, the kind of marketing they can get, the free PR that you get from being on that stage. That's what it's about. It's all about these people as individuals, not what's best for the conservative movement. And uh, that's what we're seeing unfold. That's what we saw in 2016. A lot of these people knew they weren't going to win, but they went on, sold a lot of books afterwards, did a lot of speeches afterwards, got on CNN an awful lot. I think that's what a lot of this is about. Yeah. Yeah. People run for president for a variety of different reasons. I mean, the Democrats do it, too. I mean, you know, sometimes you just run for president to raise your own profile so you can run statewide or just yeah, to help I mean, out with your Beto own election. Yeah. Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. Tim Ryan, you know, he ran for president so he could be the the Democrat nominee for Senate in Ohio. And thank goodness he lost. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he never he knew he wasn't, he wasn't going to be president. <laughs> you know, he just wanted to raise some money, man, raise some money for a, a statewide race. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'd i say over with the Speaker of the House fight, with everything we've seen over the weekend, I, I'm, I'm trying to be more positive going into 2023, my brother. But I, I do think there <laughs> are some positives that. to take away. Like, one, we see Republican leadership willing to make concessions to an actual conservative like Chip Roy. I think that's a positive development. Mm-hmm. And then also Trump's grip on the party waning. I mean, it's the, the fact that Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates stood up on TV and told Trump to kick rocks. It's like, holy smokes, man. I, I, you figure that's eventually going to happen because that's just what happens within movements. But, man, I never thought I'd see that this year. I mean, that's for sure. I, I thought it would take a long time. Maybe when Trump hits 80 years old, <laughs> you know, they, they they might start rebelling. But the fact that they just didn't listen to him, they aren't afraid of him anymore. Um, I think those are both positive developments that we should celebrate. We don't, you know, we we Republicans haven't had a lot of dubs lately. So, you know, we can <laughs> I, I think it's fair to sift through it and look for look for a couple positive developments from time to time. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's it's positive as long as we keep doing positive things for the right reasons. Um, but certainly Trump, Trump's uh, influence on the party fading is nothing but a positive at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Ian, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. Let's do it again soon. Where can everybody uh, check out your show, follow you on Twitter, read your stuff, all that good stuff. Yeah, you can follow me on all social media, I G H A W O R T H. Uh, you can check out my column for the Washington examiner. I write a couple of times a week and then my show is off limits. You can find that on YouTube. There's going to be some videos coming back um, in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be launching that again. So excited just to, to share it with you all. Everybody check it out. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.